started a new series this week on discerning power, discerning, discernment. And this week we're going to talk about um, discerning power, being prepared versus being unprepared. We're going to ask God to help us to communicate effectively because we want you to be prepared when Jesus comes back. Amen? And Father, we just thank you for this opportunity where we can come around your word. We know that in the world today, uh, this privilege that we're sharing today is being circumvented by every, every demon from hell, Father. Lord, we understand, Lord Jesus, that this is a privilege that we have for a time, Lord Jesus, and that there is time coming, Lord Jesus, where the devil will be kicking around, Lord Jesus, looking to see who he can destroy, Father, because he knows his days are short. Lord, we would ask, oh God, that you would help us to grow and be ready, that you would help us to be prepared, Father, for everything that is coming, Lord Jesus, and that we would be prepared, Lord, in season and out of season with your word, Lord Jesus, to give an account to you, Father, for the grace that you have poured out upon our lives, Lord Jesus. I pray, Lord Jesus, that every ear that is here today would be opened by your Holy Spirit, that every heart would be willing to hear and receive with meekness the word that's engrafted, which can save their soul. Father, that every will in this place, Lord Jesus, will be committed to obey your word, to do your word, Lord Jesus, to follow your command, Lord Jesus. And Lord, that we would all be ready for you when you come again in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Okay, we're living in a pretty evil place. I, you know, whether you know it or not, it's getting, it's getting bad. I think um, Maria just sent me a, 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 um, um, a, an email. That's the one it is. It's an email. Sent me an email from, from uh, a magazine, or was it the, the, the European Times uh, newspaper? And in it, Europe is seeking to legalize uh, pedophilia now and um, child pornography. That's the slippery thing, you know? That's the slippery thing. You start on one thing, you start shifting the boundaries, you take God out of the center of your life and it just continues on. It just slips and slips and slips. It's, it's coming. You know, don't expect that you're going to escape the, the nonsense that the devil has prepared. The, this whole world is fixated on self. It's fixated on living itself without God. It's, it, it's, it's created a whole idea that there is no God and that, that, that man is the one who can come up with the best solutions for, for life. And so you can expect to see more of this sort of stuff becoming more and more. You say, how can, how can this stuff be going on? I mean, you, you know, 10 years ago, you wouldn't have heard the stuff that you're hearing now on the TV in terms of, in terms of uh, news articles and, and, and the pressure that's coming on from politicians to to change laws and to change the marriage act and to ch- you wouldn't have ever even dreamed of this stuff but it's just in a few years it just picked up momentum and it's pushing through and it's and it's like it's being driven it's being driven and there's a force behind it a demonic force behind it driving this thing through and you are becoming the world's worst enemy because you believe in a God, you believe in righteousness, you believe to walk in, in faith, you believe that there is a heaven and a hell, and you are becoming a minority. And you will be persecuted to the death because of it. And you think, oh well, is this really going to happen to us? Yes, this last week, a minister in America was put in jail for a year because he refused to marry a gay couple because of his faith. This is going to happen. Hey, America's our friend. It's our neighbor. We walk hand in hand with America. What they do, we do a few years later. Are you ready for what's coming? Are you prepared for what's coming? Or are you just living in a simple and lovely, comfortable place? Because it's not going to be comfortable for long. You've got to get ready for what's happening. Jesus is coming, amen? Are you prepared? First Peter chapter 3, verse 15. Let's read this together. You can read with me. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks for a reason for the hope that you 
that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. So, so Peter's telling us here, you have got to be ready, prepared to give an answer for what you have received from God. For the life that you live. Do you know what to say when somebody asks you, why do you believe this old-fashioned time religion stuff? Why aren't you believing the facts about evolution? Why are you not believing the facts about climate change? Why aren't you believing the facts about every other idea that comes through? And you're just hanging on to your Bible and you say, I just believe what Jesus says. You know, can you give an account for it? Can you, can you defend your, your position? Can you give an idea to the person who asks why you have this hope? Paul says to Timothy, he says, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at the appearing of his kingdom. Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. He says, for the time will come, he says, when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they are, have itching ears, they, they will heap up for themselves teachers. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and they'll turn aside by two fables. And fables are just stories. And if you listen to some of the preaching, you go, you don't hear, uh, you don't hear uh, an exposition on the Word of God or people talking about the Word of God. You don't see a man open the Word of God and say, would you turn in your Bibles, please, to such and such a passage? He just stands there and he starts to tell you stories. He tells you story after story after story to tickle your ears so you can just feel comfortable with him. But he's not telling you the word of God. He's not coming to the word of God. He's not opening the word of God. He's not speaking to you from the word of God. He's telling you a fable, a story that will itch your ears and will just make you feel comfortable as you sail toward the abyss that is coming just around the corner. And you turn their ears from away from the truth and they'll be turned aside to fables. But you be watchful in all things, endure affliction, do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your ministry, he says. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, 15, we're told these words, study or be diligent to show yourself approved to God, a workman that needs not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now you've been doing some work in terms of reading. Those who've been doing the word wise course have started to read and started to read passages of scripture that you knew are there and all of a sudden there are questions that begin to come up as you're reading you know these questions have always been there they've always been laid there in the passages of scripture but you're only just now beginning to ask those questions because you're only just now beginning to read those passages those questions should have been answered years ago those questions should have been answered a long time ago and you should have strong conviction with those things and yet some of us haven't even gone there haven't even dealt with those things we just this is the first time I never saw that there before and we we start to ask those questions again we need to get into it and stay in it Stay in the Word of God. Stay in the Word of God. Get that mind of yours going. You've got an incredible mind. God created your brain. It works incredibly. You can do amazing things with that brain of yours. Start to force your brain to read black words on white page. Start to force your brain to think about those words and think about what Jesus might be saying to those words and start to make yourself, start to give an account for your understanding in the Scripture. It's time. It's time. We're ringing the bell here. We're we're saying you can't keep on staying in this place where you're just coasting. The time is getting now very close to the end where the the devil is not going to be kind and play nice games with you. He'll take you out with a sledgehammer if he can. And you must be ready for it. You must have your full armour on. You must have everything that God has given you prepared to stand firm. Because we are in these days where things will drift away. You study the Word of God. And some of you need to get this clear. You're studying the Word of God not to argue and debate with people. This is not about getting information so I can enter into a discussion to debate and argue with somebody about a different view. That's not what study is about. Study is about learning what God is saying to you and then doing it and obeying it in your lifestyle. It's not about getting information in your head, knowledge that puffs up, destroys you. It's about getting the truth of God's word into your spirit and doing the word of God in your life. Do you get the difference? 
You don't read to get information to argue with somebody to, to win an argument so someone can win and lose. You read to hear God speak to you so you can live a life that's worthy before him. There's a huge difference between those two reasons of reading. If you're reading to get information, you're going to get all your information there just so you can enter into discussion and a debate with somebody and wrangle about words, you miss the point. That's not ready. You haven't understood that sometimes the Word of God is grey and you can't get a solution on any point. You just have to have something that God speaks to you about. And you might have to just say, well... I hear what you say, but you know, when God spoke to me, I, this is what it said to me. And from my study, that's what I think it says. I, I'm listening to you about your view. That's interesting, isn't it, that we can have two different views and just get on with life. Don't argue about it. Love God with all your heart and be convinced in your own mind how God has been speaking to you. And Jesus said to the Pharisees, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, but you will not come to me that you might have life. It's a powerful scripture because it's not study for study's sake so you can learn. I mean, the Pharisees did that. And they stood up and they looked at Jesus and they scrutinized Jesus with their critical eyes. And they looked at him and they said, oh, but the scripture says, and the scripture says, even the devil used the scripture on Jesus. But they didn't come to Jesus. They didn't submit to Jesus. And they didn't experience the life that Jesus had for them because they're too busy trying to win an argument. This study that you're doing, this reading that you're doing, this, this pondering in the Word of God, this, this meditation on God's Word is not there for you to enter into some debate. It's there for you to enter into life, to live differently. The word of God is to live. It is not to debate. It's to live and to act upon. We're told that that living the word of God makes you ready for the storm. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 to 27, and you would have read this in your readings. You would have read, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, not everybody who hears these sayings of mine and can debate about them. He who hears these sayings of mine and does them is, I will liken to a man who built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat down upon the and it did not fall because it was prepared for the storm. It was prepared for the weather. It was made ready to stand in the test of the day and it stood firm on its velvet. Where did it get its strength from? From the practice of the word, from doing the word, from living the word, not from wrangling about the word, not from debating about the word, but from living it out in your life will make you ready for the storm. But everyone who does hear these words of mine and does not put them into practice will be like a foolish man who built his house upon the sand and he's not ready for it when it comes and the rain comes and the water's... Guess what? Great was its fall. You want to be made ready for the storm, friends? Yeah, get into the Word of God, yes. Read the Word of God, yes. But do the Word of God. It makes you ready. It makes you ready for judgment as well. Just before he says this part, he says, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. And then he says these words, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. You can debate, you can win arguments, but if you don't do it, you're not prepared for eternity. You're not prepared for judgment. He says, he who does the words of the... Many will say unto me today, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not cast out demons in your name? Have we not done wonders in your names? But I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. You don't practice the word of God. You practice something from yourself, not something from God. We want to be ready for the storm. Amen? Say to your neighbor, make yourself ready for the storm. You want to be ready for judgment. Say to your neighbor, make yourself ready for judgment. And ask the question, how should I do that? Tell them now, tell them. Practice the word of God. 
Are you prepared for the second coming? Matthew chapter 24 verse 44 says, Therefore you must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. Now, if I was to ask you, did you expect that Jesus was coming back today or tomorrow or even on Monday? You'd go through your diary and you'd tell me what you expect to happen on Monday. Oh, I have certain expectations. My wife is going to see an eye surgeon on Monday and I have to go with her. So, um, you know, that's one of my expectations for what I'm going to do on Monday. Is Jesus coming back on Monday? I'm not expecting it. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday and Sunday, I have things in my diary. They're all filled up. Am I expecting that Jesus would come back? Obviously not, because I have filled up my day with other things. Nowhere in my diary is there a date that says Jesus is coming back today. Get ready. Brush your teeth. Comb your hair. Get ready. He's about to come. Nowhere have I put it down in my diary. How do we put it down in my diary that I'm ready for Jesus to come back? Oh, maybe... Have you spent time in the Word of God? Have you spent time doing the Word of God? Uh, am I doing that on a regular basis? Because if I'm doing that on a regular basis, I'm ready for the Word. I'm ready for Jesus coming. I'm ready to see Him. I'm looking forward. Do I look at the clouds and do I see pretty soon they're going to roll back and Jesus is going to come through those clouds coming back to get me? You know, I, I look at ants. You know, you can tell ants in summertime they, they're running around everywhere, aren't they? You see the ants, and as soon as you see the ants starting to run in a line somewhere, and you look at them running up somewhere, and they're climbing over there, and you look at, look at the ants. What does it tell you? Rain is coming. The rain is coming. At least the ants don't have a leader. The ants don't have, have a marshal out there. They don't have preaching sermons on Sunday getting ready. But they know there's something inside an ant that knows. When the rain's coming, you get off the ground. They know to get off the ground when the rain is coming. They get themselves ready. And they get themselves ready a day before it comes. Because they know. Oh, says the proverb, go to look at the ant and learn something from the ant. Wouldn't you be an ant when it comes to the trouble of the things that are coming? Wouldn't you be an ant rather than a grasshopper, rather than a sluggard? And oftentimes we look and we think, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's not happening yet. It's got to get worse. Oh, yeah, it will get worse, but you need to get ready now. Noah was told about and warned by God in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 7. It tells us that, that Noah was warned by God concerning the events yet unseen. And in reverent fear, he constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the whole world and became the heir of righteousness that is by faith. He was told this thing is coming. God spoke to him and said, don't get relaxed now, Noah. Just because you're the only righteous one left and everybody has just lost it, don't be relaxed. He says, I want you to build a boat, a big boat. And everybody who looked at him building the boat thought he was completely insane. Nothing like the movie you saw. And if you went and saw it, you would have discovered it was just a, a fictitious thing that was just designed to, to sully the whole name of Noah. Because as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be when the Son of Man comes again. This is what he says. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13, Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Now, the word watchful is a, it's a metaphor for giving strict attention to or being cautious and active. Strict attention to or being cautious and active. Watchful means that you look at something and you ask the question, Is this safe? You're cautious. You're careful. And you're paying attention to the detail. You're asking yourself the question, you know, is this going to cause me problem if I do this? You're coming to Jesus and you're saying, Jesus, I really don't know about this thing. I need you to some, give me some feedback about what's happening here. What do you think I should do here? And the stand firm is the idea to persevere and to persist. It means to keep one standing, to get into a position where you are able to stand against the flow. If you were to step into a stream that's got a current in it, you'd have to learn to stand firm. You stand firm against a whole lot of things. There may be the, the stones underneath your feet may move. 
And so you have to make sure your footing in the river is strong enough to hold you in place. And the current is pushing against you, so you have to brace yourself and, and lean forward against the current and give yourself some position to stand firm. Life is like that in our society. There's a current coming at you, and the footing on which you're standing needs to be solid. And if you're not solid-footed and you're not standing against the current, you'll be swept away. Just like that. He says, be watchful, stand firm in the faith. Act like men. He says, be like a man. He says, you have to be brave. And that's actually in the Greek. The Greek, be brave. I like that. Turn to your neighbor and say, be brave. It's time to be brave. We, we look at bravery and we think, oh, bravery. What's bravery? What is a brave thing to do? A brave thing to do sometimes is a silly thing to do. When everybody else is running away or running away from something, a brave person runs toward it. A brave person does something that no one else will do. It stands. When everybody else runs away, they stand and they get ready for it. A brave person is not caring about themselves. A brave person cares about the others and so looks around for someone else to save. Be brave. Be brave in your faith. This is not just me. I hope I get there. I hope I sneak into heaven on the back door. Oh, Jesus, help me. Don't let anything come against me. Oh, I hope they don't hurt me too much. Don't hit me too hard. Don't hit me too hard. No, be brave. Stand up. Take the blow. Hit me again. Take the blow. Hit me again. Take it again. Why? For Jesus. Be brave. Get ready. Get your spirit ready. The devil says, back off, you know, play the rebellion. Play, you know, you know tough games. Don't cooperate with people. Live for yourself. Just play the stupid game. Be brave and, and be different and start working with other people to be strong. Work in harmony. Be a team. Be different. If everybody else is fighting and bickering and slandering, stand up and don't slander. Don't fight and unite. That's bravery. God wants us to be brave. He wants us to stand strong in the faith and be firm. And we have to be like men, finish like men. Be brave, be strong. He says, and you don't get strong by sitting down and not lifting heavy weights. And if you want to get stronger, the way to get stronger is to lift heavier weights. So you lift the heavy weights, oh, that's all heavy. And then after a while, it doesn't, it's not heavy anymore. You know, you're not building any muscle. Put some weight on it. Lift it now. It's heavier, isn't it? Push it up now. Push it up now. Push it up now. Now it's heavier. Push it till that's light. And then put some more weight on it again. Think about that. I'm giving this much to Jesus. Well, that's lovely. And you're doing it with great ease. Well, it's just a spare money. I mean, I would have spent it on a pizza or lollies, but I just give it to Jesus. Great. You know what? Is it $5 a week you give to Jesus? We are so impressed. Be brave. Give $5.50 next week. Just take it up in increments of half a dollar. But do it every week. See if you can live off the 10% and give God 90%. Be brave. Think about that. Extend yourself. It's an attitude of how much can God pour through my life? How much God God do for me? If I say no to sin now, can I say no to a bigger sin tomorrow? Can I say no to triple sin the next day? If I say no to a movie today, can I say no to two movies? Can I live my life, live in my life holy for God? Am I going to be that brave? Or am I going to let sin eat away at my life and my confidence and I'm going to live with sin in my life and live shame-faced? Be brave. Stand strong. Get strong in your spirit for Jesus. Live heavy weights. Paul exhorts the Thessalonians regarding the end times. And this is what he says. He says, But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman and they shall not escape. Peace and safety. These are the, these are the cries of the world today. World peace. 
We're looking for a utopic world where everybody, a global world where everybody lives at peace. One of the things to get peace in the land is to take away fundamental beliefs and fundamental religions that fight and war against each other. Let's remove all of these fundamental faiths so we can have peace and safety in the land. In America now, they're doing a... An American uh, military is doing some sort of uh, war game. It's called Jade Helm. Nobody knows what's going on. There's just thousands and thousands of troops deployed through Texas and through other places. And they've put on the map, Texas is hostile and this is hostile. And that, nobody can tell not what's going on. And it's going through to, December, is it through to September. The whole thing is being deployed. Militaries, army men on the streets through the USA and they don't know why and they don't know what it's just a game that we're playing it's just a war game that we're playing yeah but we're also told in the middle of December we're going to have a, a financial crash that, that no one is going to be ready for we're also told that everything is coming to an end in terms of the financial markets we're going to have a huge drop you know what's going to happen what's going to happen how's it going to end and then what are we going to do when it's chaotic at least we'll have the troops there, hey, Mark. Everything will be in place. Hey, we're not far behind. Think. It's America. The stuff that's going on in America now just begs, blows my mind. I just sit there and I shake. I, I wouldn't even have conceived of that five years ago. And now it's just normal. Just normal. Peace and safety. He said, then sudden destruction. Verse 4 says, But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that the day should overtake you as a thief. You know, the lights have been switched on for you. It's not that you didn't see this coming. It's not that you weren't ready for this. They're already talking about it now. In Australia, they're talking about legalizing gay marriage. And think, oh, yeah, we don't speak too much about this, Mark, because, you know, get... yeah, I know. They're, they're talking about legalizing gay marriage, but this is the slippery road. You know, you start here, and you start in that one, and then you go this one, and then you go this one, and then you go this And pretty soon you end up in Europe, and it's, let's legalize it. Let's legalize pedophilia. And let's le you say, I can't even imagine. But they wrote books about it, and they've published books about it, and they're putting the books in schools. We'll be paying money to people we've locked up for pedophilia because they had a right to love had no boundaries. Think about that. That's what our politicians are telling us. Bubble thought moment. It's coming. This is coming. You are sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. Now, the sleep there that's used there is a metaphor. And the metaphor, it means in the Greek, it means to yield to laziness or the sin of disobedience. Don't sleep. Don't yield to laziness or the sin of disobedience. So when God tells you you, do, you should do something and you should learn to live by my spirit and walk in this way and I'm speaking to you and you're refusing me and you, you're becoming lazy in your Christian walk. You're becoming disobedient in your walk. He says, you're going to sleep. He says, don't sleep. He says, let us wake. You know, sleep is the, to be indifferent to one's salvation. You know, we get saved and, and we think, Jesus saved me. He saved me from my sins. He, he, he saved me from me habitually doing the wrong thing. He gave me his Holy Spirit inside to help me to say no to unrighteousness and yes to him. He put those things of his spirit in my life so I can develop the strength of character to do the right thing. He's put all of that in there so I can be a light in a dark place. He's put it so that I can speak my voice to those who are caught in sin and help them out. He saved me so I can share my faith with others so that they can be saved as well. He brought me into a place so that I can bring others with me into the same place. My salvation should never be taken lightly. If it's taken lightly and I don't recognize it, then there are other people who are going to miss out when I forget who I am and whose I am. Because my light will shine to make others see and know 
Have you taken your salvation lightly? Does it mean nothing to you? Does it mean nothing that Jesus saved you? You've not given strict attention to what he's done in your life and, and how your light has become a shining light? I mean, imagine this. If Eli was sitting there and he decided that he was going to just live normally like everybody, other, every other teenage young man would do, live normally and, and just follow a, a normal road. Not to be too brave because being too brave would get him too many blows at school. Decided to be normal. Fly under the radar, so to speak. And God says, you know, I had a plan for you, Eli, to stand up and be a Daniel in the face of lions, a David in the face of a Goliath. I had you to be a Joshua in the face of Amalek. I wanted you to stand and to be strong, and you decided to take it easy. You missed the point of your life and the point of my strength in you. You went to sleep on me. Couldn't you watch with me for one hour? Couldn't you just bear in there and stand and do the thing? God is calling for us. He's calling for each one of us to recognize it's time, high time to wake up from sleep. To recognize that we've been brought to a place where our life of obedience is so important and the light that we shine to others is so important and to be watchful that nothing undermines that and nothing takes that away. Verse 7 says, For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober. And the word sober is to be calm and collected in spirit. Calm and collected in spirit. Hey, it's not about getting fanatical. It's just be calm and collected. Who are you? I'm God's person for the day. Who's your God? God is my ever-living spirit who lives within me, the Holy Spirit, who's there to guide me and strengthen me in every situation. What are you doing? I'm here for his glory. What are you going to do now? I'm going to overcome everything that comes against him. I'm going to stand strong, even if it kills me. I'm going to stand strong. He says, be sober, calm and collected. Stand there, waiting. It's coming. Don't be frantic. Don't get drunk. Don't get loose in the head. To put on the breastplate of faith and of love and the helmet and the hope of salvation. Helmet, which is the hope of salvation, is that thing that you know, you expect Jesus is coming soon and you will be saved. You know, I, I talk to some people and they I hope I get saved. I hope I'm good enough to get there. You don't get saved because you're good enough. You get saved because he died for you in your place. You don't get, if you think that you're trying to be good enough, guess what? You missed the point. You probably won't get there. Because not of works that we should boast, but of his divine grace are we saved. Well, that doesn't mean you can sleep now and do whatever you like because he's going to save me. No, you created two good works, which he's prepared for you to walk in them. God has the plan and you can get with that plan and start getting ready to do that. He says, for God did not appoint us to wrath but to obtain salvation. And I'm glad about that. When, the, when, when God comes and the wrath spills out over there, I'm not going to be eaten up by the wrath. I might die and lose my, uh, my life. They might execute me for being a stick in the mud. That's all right. But I will not be appointed to wrath because Jesus says, that he saved me from the wrath. The wrath was given to him that I might walk in newness of life. Amen? And whether I live or whether I die, I will live together with him. Amen? That's our confidence. That's our confidence. You know, stand up on the inside. Be ready for whatever is coming. Get ready for this stuff. It's going to come faster than you can blink. It's going to be here. It's going to be looking at And Jesus can come any moment. You know, he can come today and we're gone. Or he can hold off and let you eat some of the pain before he takes you. I don't think he can't. He can do that. He did that in the early days. They got offered up to lions and they got offered up on, on stakes and they got crucified. He can let you go through some pain. He's big enough to give you strength to go through that. You ready to do that, Ruth? You ready to die for your faith? To stand strong? The big question for us 
is not whether we're ready to die for our faith. It's whether we are ready to live in faith. That's the difference. Oh, yes, take me up and make it quick. No, no. Live it instead. Live in faith. Jesus warns about the coming times, and he gives you a couple of parables. And I want to just give you a couple of parables very quickly. You're going to read these as you go on your reading. And the first one is about the faithful servant and the evil servant. And it's found in Matthew chapter 24, verses 36 to 51. I'm not going to read it all, but I'm going to read some of it. He says, first of all, he tells us that no one knows the hour or the day. He says in verse 36, But of the day and the hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but, but my Father only. So only God knows when he's going to come. So if somebody says to you, you know, he's coming next Friday, that would be lovely. But he, he can't say that for sure because you don't know. Only God knows and, I, and he's not telling anybody just yet. So everybody who says that they know the time and the hour and they've done all the sums through the ages, they're going to tell you everything, that's fine. Just remember this, they don't know. And then they were told a little bit, a few things. In verse 36, in the days of Noah, were, so will it be at the coming of the Son of Man. They, it, for as in the days before the flood, they were eating and then drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them away so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. So he's saying everybody will be doing what they normally do every other day. Everything will be going along just as it normally does. And when it's going along just as it normally does, does, then there will be a moment in time where calamity comes and it will be all over. Everything will have changed. It will never go back the same again. He says, be ready for that. He says, two men will be in the field. One will be taken, the other left. He says, there will be two women grinding at the mill. One will be taken and the other left. It will sort you out. Whatever is coming will sort you out. It will leave one and take another. It will take the ready and leave the unready or take the unready and leave the the ready. I don't know how it's going to sort you out, but it will sort you out. It will find you out and it will sort you out. Be ready for this. You think it's all coasting along, then one day you'll wake up and it will sort you out. It will find out where you are. If you think, oh, I was meaning, I was meaning to live for Jesus. I was meaning to get along to the Bible study. I was meaning to read my Bible. I was meaning to pray every day. I was going to do that, but I didn't quite get brave enough. I didn't quite get enough gumption to stand up and say, I'm not going to be rebellious anymore. I'm going to flow with mum. I'm going to work with mum. I'm going to make mum's life pleasant. I was going to do that. But today I woke up and mum's gone. Everything I was going to do, I can't do now because mum was taken and mum was left. Gunner is not a good thing. You're going to what? Gunner is good intentions. Good intentions are no good for the kingdom of God. You can have good intentions and do nothing. We're not interested in your good intentions. We want to see your good behavior. There is a difference. Oh, I tended to be good. I just got a bit naughty. Oh, I'll be good from there on. You'll see. You intend. There's no extra time. It's finished now. The line has been drawn. The day has come. The night is now here. You missed out. Horrible, horrible, horrible even to think that way. Therefore, he says in verse 44, you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. Who then is a faithful and wise servant whom the master made ruler over his household to give them food for juice in due season? Blessed is the servant whom the master, when he comes, will find him doing it. So here we get this idea again coming through this parable of the wise servant and the foolish servant. The one who knows what the master wants to do and is doing it. Everybody say, doing it. Doing it. I got to do it. Not think about it. Not plan to do it. Not intend to do it. I got to do it. Then he's the one. When the master comes back and says, yeah, good servant. You recognized the responsibility you had before me and you'd gone and done it now. And I just, I want to reward you for what you're doing. Uh, you, 
you don't get to heaven because of what you're doing. He already going to take you there. He's going to reward you for what you're doing. It's like putting money in the bank, isn't it? Doing the work of God. In God's eternal bank. Laying up treasure in heaven. Obeying. Doing the will of God. He says, Assuredly I say to you that he will make him ruler over all his goods. So there's a reward coming. Verse 48 tells us in this passage of Scripture, But if the evil servant says in his heart, My master is delaying his coming. Everybody's been saying that Jesus is coming back, you know? My grandfather used to say that Jesus was coming back and he didn't know whether he would. He said these days are getting very short and look, they're even driving now with motorized vehicles instead of horses. My granddaddy thought that Jesus was coming soon. When the World War was there, World War I and World War II, Hitler was the Antichrist. It was all over. It was all coming to an end. That's what they thought. He still didn't come back. Hey, we had the Vietnam. We never had that. You know, oh, you know they say, you say it all the time. I don't know whether he's coming back or not. You hear what you're saying? My master delays his coming. I'm not sure whether he's even coming. Did you wake up this morning and expect Jesus to come before you come here? Did you wake up this morning and think, you know, I'm not going to get to the end of the day because Jesus will come back before the end of the day? Did you look at the clouds and say, Jesus, you're going to peel those clouds? Is your mind somewhere there that you're looking and saying, Jesus, I know you're coming so soon. I, I, can't, I cannot waste one moment of my day without doing what you want me to do. You set up your little plan and you're going to get this Minecraft game level done because that's going to take you know, at least... 500 hours to achieve that and you're going to get this little game and then you're going to buy that and you're going to get that and you're going to put that on the wall there and you're going to... Till Jesus comes back. You know, he says, if the evil servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming and begins to beat his fellow servants. You don't go out and beat your fellow servants, do you? You just use your mouth to speak out against the person that you don't like. You criticize them. You think it means nothing that you should slander somebody, speak ill of somebody. You don't even know the facts, but you've got to speak ill of somebody. You don't even know what's going on. You've decided you've made a notion in your head that you know what's going on, and you're going to speak those words out and, and assassinate somebody's character. You're beating God's servants. With your mouth. Jesus isn't coming back. I'm all right to say what? Speak ill of no one, the Bible says. Bless them that curse you. Bless and curse not. I'm not beating anybody's servants. I'm not doing it. How is your attitude to your brother and your sister? Do you fight and squabble and argue and bicker? How's it with your wife? Are you attacking and vilifying and slanderous to your wife or your husband? How's it with your interpersonal relationships with the people that you work with? How's it with the people that you're at school with? Have you got harmony or have you got violence happening? Have you got hostility? There's all this interpersonal junk going on. Are you beating the servants? Or are you recognizing that God has called you to be a light and a love for all of those who come to him and graciousness will flow out of you like a river so that come, they will come to know Jesus? Do you know that yet? That your life counts for harmony and peace in God? Or are you quick with your mouth to make judgments? You see, we don't want, we, well, I'm not a servant and I'm not beating anybody up. Yes, you are. You say Jesus isn't coming, you don't expect him to come, and you're quick with your mouth and to criticize somebody else. He says, he'll come when you don't expect it, and you'll be there undone. I want to be revived. You better get revived now because you don't know when he's coming. He could come now and it's all over. You're not going to be revived. You're still living in your sin. He tells us a parable about wise and foolish virgins. Matthew chapter 25. It's an interesting, because you think about it, and you think, oh, 
A virgin, you know, a wise and a foolish virgin. And it's about the wedding reception of a, a, a groom who's coming. And he's, it's, it's a Jewish way of getting married. You know, the, the bridegroom comes and usually there's, he comes to, the, to the, 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 uh, the bride's house in the middle of the night, you know, to come and pick her up. And she's usually accompanied by a, a host of little bridesmaids, virgins around her, you know. But he's delayed his coming. He's taken some time to get there. And so there are two kinds of virgins waiting for him. Foolish ones who have just the oil in the lamp and wise ones who bought the oil in the lamp and have a resource to draw on. And it comes in the middle of the night. They've all gone to sleep because he took so long. Everybody went to sleep. Obviously, it wasn't a problem that everybody went to sleep. The problem came when they had to wake up. And when they woke up, the foolish one says, we don't have enough oil. Can you give us some? And the wise says, I've only got enough for my supply. You have to go and get some for yourself. And while they're off getting something for themselves, he's come, he's taken them, and they've come back, and they missed out. Now, what could this mean for us? Well, now, you, you can be here today in this church meeting because you're accompanying good virgins. You like to be here because it's nice to be here, but you kind of live off the power of everybody else's relationship with God. It's like when it comes to your own personal dynamic faith in Jesus, it kind of, yeah, it's not quite there. I'm watching it. I get along well with everybody else and I'm cozy with everybody else, but I really don't have that deep of a relationship with Jesus. Like I haven't gone there really with him. I just, I like everybody. They're they're good and and I hang out. Well, this is my crowd. I like this place. Everybody's nice here. Listen, it's not nice to be in a place where you're not really experiencing what everybody else is. You look at them and say, they must take getting something else somewhere, you know? They have this dynamic faith in Jesus. They're hunt, hunt, hunting Jesus down and they're talking to Jesus and they're speaking, God's speaking to them. And they, but you kind of sit on the side, you sort of watch that, you know? You don't really experience that. You're just watching that. And it's all very nice now while you're waiting. But unless you've got something real with God, when he comes back again, you're going to miss out. You've got to dig the well deep in your own life and you've got to put some resources down. You can't be here because you're friends with somebody who's a dynamic Christian. You've got to be here because you have a dynamic faith in God yourself. Because in the end of the exercise, you know, that, that faith is the thing that will save you. That's your extra resource, that relationship with God. You're not here just because it's a nice club. You're here because you have a relationship with God. You're here because God is speaking to you. You're here because you're hearing the Spirit of God and you're here to do something for God, not just to coast along with everybody else who's part of this church. You're here because God called you here. God raised you here. God's got a work for you to do here. And you're stepping in with both of I'm going to work for God here. You're not just coasting along because the day is coming to come when it will sort you out. All those who have their own little pocket of coasting along will miss out because you won't have what it takes to go through the, the storm. You'll miss out. Friend, you have to be ready. Preparedness and watchfulness studies the Scriptures and comes to Jesus in obedience. That means you take hold of your Bible. You open it. I've not really done this before, Jesus. Speak to me. Speak to me. Change me. Help me. Put this on my feet so I walk differently. It's not about your head. It's about your obedience. 
preparedness and watchfulness recognize the importance of your life and your calling within society, and it works at it. You don't sit here and say, oh, I'll just go to this church. Phil, you're here because you're appointed by God to be here. He chose you out of darkness and put you into light. For what reason? To bring light to those who are in darkness. Not to fool with the darkness, but to bring light to those in the dark. He raised you up to make you stand like a David in front of a Goliath fell. He gave you his Holy Spirit to strengthen you. He preserves your life to give you strength and tenacity to conquer and not to be overcome. Every one of you have got to understand that God called you to this place for a reason. Like Esther, you've been called to this place for such a time as this. God can turn the whole of this nation upside down with 100 people. If they just get that, if they understood that and just lived that. There's nothing that God couldn't do if you just believe that. Preparedness and watchfulness lives and invests in a personal and dynamic relationship with Jesus' spirit every moment of every day. So when you wake up tomorrow morning, if the Lord should tarry, and you open your eyes and they flick open, the devil will come speaking in your ear and tell you, you ought to do this, you know. You'd enjoy that. And you stand up and say, I'm not investing in you anymore, Satan. I'm investing in Jesus. I'm going to spend time in his word. I'm going to do the hard yard. I'm going to be brave. I'm going to lift a heavier weight than I lift yesterday. I'm going to take your word and I'm going to clothe myself with it this morning. And if it takes me half an hour more time, I'm going to get up a half an hour earlier so that I can clothe myself. I want spiritual muscle. I want spiritual vigor. I want spiritual strength. And I'm going to do the brave thing. Every minute of every day until Jesus comes back. Where are you? Are you awake? Can you hear what the Spirit of Jesus is saying to you? I feel God is challenging my heart. Scream it out loud. Stand up and wake up. Be brave. Be strong. You haven't seen what I can do yet. And you haven't seen what's coming. Get ready. Get ready. The wheels are churning. The deadline has been set in eternity. It's just working itself out here and there. Make sure you are on the right side of the line. Let's bow our heads. Father, we come to you right now and I ask, oh God, that you take this truth and bury it into our spirits. We just don't want to hear another message, oh God. And I certainly don't want to preach just another message, oh God. We want to hear you speak to the core of our being, oh God, and we want to rise up, shake off every encumbrance and every sin that does so easily beset us. And we want to stand on your two feet that are strengthened and shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And we want to clothe ourselves afresh with every element of the armor of God and stand true for you, Jesus. Lord, if we're not even thinking straight now to even understand this, Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just challenge the thoughts and the, of the heart and pierce into the core of each individual right now, Father, and show them what needs to take place to make them safe with you, Lord Jesus. I ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. God bless you. Let the word of God challenge your heart. Take it in the word of God and let Jesus change your life this week. Amen. God bless you.